Talking Maiden. Podcast of the Beast. All right, perfect. Nesbitt, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing fine how as well. Doing? So last time we got into Dance to Death. Yeah, we kind of ran out of time. We got out the rails a bit. Yeah, that's all right. I don't even remember what we were arguing about, but probably something good. Probably something. Something good. We edit it and post it now. And, uh, you know, it, uh, once you reflect on it, it goes fast. The album, to me, um, there's a lot of depth to it. So it took a bit of Yeah, the album's into. kind of all over the place, too. It is. It has a theme, but it's kind of all over the place, too. It is all over the place. I know. So we're going to get into side two. Before, one thing that I wanted to discuss, which I can't believe we didn't bring up the last episode, was the cover art for the Dance oh, to God, Death album. The cover art. I know. Yeah, because, well, we did touch on it briefly. When Hands we the, down the worst. The album covers. Uh, yes, horrible. Of all time. Horrible. Yeah. You know what it is? I think that in reflection on that first podcast and all the listening I've done the last three, four weeks, I look at that album and it feels crappy and a lot of it is the coloring with that red like orangey yeah you know the the cover it just feels garbage like compared compared to brave new world i mean i think now it's true you look at the two covers and one you go into one thinking yeah you just want to dive into brave new world's cover you want that to be like a a poster for a futuristic magazine or, 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 or sorry movie like you know, it's like Heavy Metal 2, you know, that, that, that movie where they're flying around the galaxy. It's yeah. like futuristic London. And you're like, wow. And then the Dance of Death is like this. And you look and you're like, if the cover is this bad and looks this yeah. unfinished, like, what's the music going to be like? Did they. Yeah. It looks like someone didn't care enough to even, like, yeah, I think we, give we, a second thought to the Dance of Death album cover. So what's the so immediately you're okay so what, 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 how did that happen? And, like, what the heck is going so on? So this guy, Dave Patchett. Yeah. He does a lot of album covers. There's this band called Cathedral that he does a lot of album covers for. And if you do a Google image search for his album covers and his art, like yeah. he's he does really cool stuff. Like, really cool. So, I think it's kind of like a wasted opportunity because he did the Eddie, which Ed, the Eddie himself as the Reaper Eddie. Yeah. Really cool looking. Yeah. On the front, if you can forget about all the rest of the garbage right. around him. All the noise. And behind him, there's five monks standing up. Yeah. Which you get, you can't even really see them on the album cover, but if you look carefully, you can see them. So he originally did that 12-pointed star with Eddie standing on it. Yeah. With these five monks in the background, these hooded monks. That's right. Which would have been a really cool album cover. And I think his Eddie, it's really cool. It's really evil looking. It's a different look for Eddie. Yeah. I think it could have been like, a classic album cover. So, basically, what happened... So, I was reading a whole bunch about this online, and I read this forum post, and... So, someone named Monica Roxburgh, who, like, apparently she owns the rights to the masks used on the Dance of Death cover, said, uh, Patchett's cover only included Eddie and the Monks, but Rod, that must be Rod Smallwood, Rod thought it was really empty, so he hired someone to design the characters surrounding Eddie. Then he gave the roughs back to Patchett, asked him to work on the skin and mask textures. Patchett did so, but was so unimpressed with the result, he asked not to be included in the credits. So he did this cool art, gave it to Maiden, and they threw this like half-finished 3D art in. And then they're yeah. just like, we'll just leave it and whatever. Yeah, because it was and like, he's like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. But it was unfinished it. for him, right? Like he wanted yeah. to go back and touch it up because we talked about that in the album cover piece. Yeah. Well, the this yeah. guy, uh, Dave Patchett, he didn't his the three D art that's the three D rendered people that are put in there. Yeah. He had nothing to do with that. That was added to that what added he after. created his art, gave it to them. They put that in it and gave it back to him, and he was like, uh, I don't want anything. Oh yeah. my god. So it's a huge wasted opportunity. Like if you look at. Like I said, if you go online and look at his art online, yeah. uh, he has this he has this one painting called the Garden of Unearthly Delights, yeah. and it's really cool looking. And you can and if you look at any of these cathedral, this band their uh, album covers, I can only imagine like how cool his album cover from Maiden could have been. What was the rush? What? How did that happen? I don't know. It seems this like this isn't the first time we've no, done this. We did it with the matter of life and death. So like Derek Riggs was doing all the cover art. Yeah. And everything was great. Yeah. I think. Like, he didn't do anything bad. I think no. he did everything great. Yeah. And then... Or or interpretation. But, I mean, yeah. 
I mean, you could dislike some of what he did, some of the themes and some of the takes on it, but I mean, it was all consistent. It was all pretty good. And yeah. yeah, it's like everybody's going to have a favorite. Nothing's all Yeah, but nothing there. He didn't yeah. really like have any... Oh, it's not controversial or... Yeah. Or, yeah. So then he kind of had a falling out. I guess he didn't like working with Maiden. Apparently, like they're on bad terms now. Really? Yeah. So then they got Melvin Grant, who did like Fear of the Dark. And that was the first, like, non... So, before you move on, Derek, yeah. is he known for much outside of the main stuff? Yeah, he did a whole bunch of album yeah. covers. I've got his book. Uh, yeah, I don't remember you going through it, but yeah. I remember it from a Maiden perspective. Yeah, but he had, he did, he's done a, a ton of art for, like, different So they fell out for whatever reason. Yeah. I think when they started out, based on what I can figure out, is they started out and Maiden was kind of just, like, letting... He kind of brought his interpretation in gave it to Maiden and Maiden was kind of like was great like Maiden didn't really have their own yeah. idea and he was kind of driving the art yeah and then it kind of got to the point where they were like dictating what he did and then change this change that change this change that change yeah. this change that and he was like I think he just got fed up yeah with, you know what I mean I do so anyway they got rid of him they got Melvin Grant to do Fear the Dark which I think was a pretty cool album yeah, cover it's not bad like I, it is pretty cool. Yeah, it's although a the, look. Fir- the first one or two after are going to be so based upon his themes that they're just going to be in that space. They're not risky. It's where yeah. you go in the long run. That's where we're having our issues. Right. And then they did for yeah. X Factor. It's yeah. totally different. So that's yeah. Hugh Syme did that one, and he did like uh, yeah, that's garbage. A ton of Rush album covers. Yeah. I think everything since Caress of Steel has been him. Yeah. And uh, he did that that really graphic looking Eddie. Yeah. He's like getting a, a vivisection or whatever. Yeah. It's like it's the only album that like I don't leave out from my like four and seven year olds to see because yeah. the other album covers are you know I don't mind if they see like Power Slave yeah. yeah but I don't want the, that one's kind of creepy yeah. looking yeah and then Melvin Not Grant they got back again to do Virtual Eleven yeah which I think is one of the worst Eddies he That's just doesn't look like Eddie's forehead's too big Eddie, his no. ears are huge no, it's, it's huge the concept's okay but I don't know yeah there's some more metallic right. stuff going on there yeah and then Brave New World which I think was Steve Stone yeah the artist said that he did The City and The Sky is Derek Riggs so I guess that was the last thing that technically that Derek Riggs did yeah the Eddie and the things and then Dance of Death is this Dave Patchett which is like a rush job then remember we were talking about Tim Bradstreet who did, did A Matter of Life or Death yeah that was another rush job and he was he pissed said. off because he thought it was yeah. it was like a uh, yeah and then Melvin Grant again did the Alien for Final Frontier, you know, the Alien Eddie. I don't like it. Which I'm not a big fan of. The proportions are wrong for right. me. And then for Book of Souls, they had Mark Wilkinson. Yeah. Who did... He just came in and kept it simple. Right. And he did a ton of great album covers. He did a who bunch did, of... Did he do live chapter as well? I'm not sure who did that one. Yeah. But he did the Judas Priest, a bunch of Judas Priest albums. Yeah. He didn't do, like, the Defenders of the Faith and Screaming Vengeance, those classic ones. Yeah. But he had the most metal album cover of all time, which is Judas Priest, Painkiller. Have you seen that album cover? I don't know, no. It's, like, this metal angel, and he's riding this uh, motorcycle in the sky. <laughs> that has... And the motorcycle is, like, half dragon, half motorcycle, and has saw blades for wheels. And he's got his, like, fist raised up, and he's flying over this crumbling city that's crumbling into lava. And it has, like, a big stone... Judas Priest logo like smashing yeah. out of the loud. It's like, it's awesome. It's so. That's like the definition of that movie, the the cartoon movie Heavy Metal. That I was talking. Yeah, it's if you ever see it, it's like. Yeah. You've I'll seen Heavy you... Metal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Years and years and I years. I love ago. it though. I watched it recently. It's amazing. I haven't seen it in forever. Oh, she's so hot. It's a cartoon. So, <laughs> yeah. Go on. <laughs> Super young when I saw it. Um, so that's like the most metal album cover ever. So. I'm not surprised that he went did this Maiden cover and turned out great. So yeah. I don't know where they're going to go from here, but like, I would like if they did more Mark Wilkinson stuff because I was like, yeah. like, that's a classic. I think that's a a new classic is the Book of Souls. Yeah, and you picked it, and the live chapter I love. I love when he's holding the heart. Like I that one's it. a little. Uh, it's cartoony, but I don't like the style of it. To me, it looks yeah. kind of. Uh, I know what you're saying. The face is a bit blurry, almost like it's like. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's well, we kind of almost to like show. a CG look yeah, to it. I know. That but uh, for, do it for me, me. The, the remember the GIF online where he's like holding the heart out, and the, the, I don't mind. I love the that. concept of it, yeah. but the execution of it, it doesn't do it for me. So yeah. I don't know who did that one. I don't know. My favorite Eddie of all is Book of Souls Eddie. I just yeah. maybe it's a recency bias thing. It's classic, uh, but it's just it, it fits so good. Like the Amazon theme tied into who he was so well, and he translates yeah. so well into that theme. But it's like, simple. It's almost like the first yeah. made numb, which is just like yeah, electric Matthew or whatever. You know, it's just him. 
Yeah. Eddie looking at the camera. Yeah. And this one's Eddie. It's kind of Eddie going through his punk rock But it's a return to that. It's just Eddie with nothing else. It's just, you know what I mean? He doesn't need anything else. It's just Eddie. Yeah, he doesn't need all kinds of gimmicks or futuristic things or settings that make him legitimate or riding a tank. Yeah. Anyway, but this this one is horrible. The Stance of Death. It's terrible. And uh, there's a No More Lies EP. Yeah. We're telling you about that. So the cover of that is just, it's the same Eddie with that like 12 point star design. Yeah. And it's way better. Like they should have just had that. Or you know the Death on the Road DVD? Yeah. You know the cover of that? It's like the Carriage Rider Eddie? Yeah. yeah. Like why couldn't that be the album cover for this album? That would have been great. Would have made a lot more sense. Well, I think that stuff came after, didn't it? Like It did, that, but like this album cover is just so bad. What's the rush? Like why are they rushing these? I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you know, like we we always we're so positive on Maiden all the time, but there's there's definitely some tinkering behind the scenes. Like maybe it's Harris who I don't know, but like were there way too into details? Like you got Derek Riggs and he's doing these covers. Yeah, there's like let the artist, nice the artist, just, yeah, yeah, just let, let him do his do thing. Yeah, yeah. True vision don't is don't about micromanage. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't cut them off. Like, like you have Derek Riggs, who's like one of the best album cover artists yeah. ever. Look, let him do his thing. Let but him also, do. Also, yeah. if he falls on his face, yeah. let him fall on his face. Don't you push him out and then have like some new artists fall on his face? Like he, there's a there is a certain value in the body of his work against Maiden and you know to me just I think short sighted and then okay if you're gonna move on from him get it right don't be rushing around with all these album covers and like yeah, yeah. I mean if if the album covers are so important but you're right this one kind of like yeah. puts a taint on the album it's an epic before fail. you even listen to it yeah it kind of it looks shitty yeah even in it looks shitty as an icon in your playlist yeah it just makes it feel like crap and one of the big things I was, we were saying like oh in the previous ones we're like let's do Dance of Death so we can rip it to shreds because we're being way too positive <laughs> we don't want to be those guys that are just Maiden fanboys that yeah. are just out there and like we love Maiden to pieces obviously but that can have a critical ear to some of the Maiden stuff and there's transitions yeah. and we went through the bass stuff, play stuff this album with amazing artwork and one or two songs tightened up and some of that orchestral stuff you talked about in the last one a few of that stuff gone and like the proper Maiden feel on the so it's funny you just said it could, it could yeah. totally change this album and but make it's funny what you just said about the orchestral yeah kind of how I well, earlier earlier I was saying they're good songs and they're kind of yeah. buried the album yeah. cover is kind of like the album yeah it's a really good concept yeah but then it's buried under crap buried under crap and they should have just taken that all off and let the yeah. art itself breathe and that's kind of what I feel about the songs they like layered all the stuff that it needed to be on and yeah. it just buries the the goodness of the songs yeah. under stuff that doesn't need to be there. You know yeah, what I mean? You gave me that perspective in the last podcast. But you know what I mean? Changed my view on yeah. it because I never really heard that detail to it, but I was super yeah. pissed off with the, uh, you know, with the, with the, with the cover. As soon as you pick up the vinyl, as soon as you look at it, yeah. it's just garbage. Oh yeah. Yeah. Makes and it's not bad. just bad. It's like, there's parts where like, there's like, people are like, clipping through it looks like playing cards yeah, it, or something weird like so it's, it's got this weird, i don't mind the theme yeah but like this like the but it just looks cheap but the someone on the when you're looking at it on the yeah. right side there's a person and their neck is like twice the length it should be and it's all in this weird angle yeah and then there's this dog with like this baby standing on it and the baby's legs are like yeah. clipping through the edge of the dog like it's not uh it's just it's completely unfinished it looks horrible I don't know. And the the original could have been so cool. Because the Eddie itself at the center of that yeah. and the 12 pointed star, it would have been a really cool. Yeah. Like, and would have really feel, fit the theme of this album. I don't know why they had to ruin it. Okay. And, but, wasted potential. In our last podcast, we talked about how good the first set is. Well, to a point, because yeah. we didn't get through it, because we're on Dance of Death. Yeah. So. It's about to go south now for oh, the album. Oh, is it going to go south? Not for, <laughs> for the me. album. Not for, for the album, but. For the song. For the for, review. Yeah. This is our okay. hard point. Yeah. Dance of so, Death, I had to give it a 10 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> Dance of Death, the you song? You imagine? No. Okay, so... Okay, so, yeah. yeah. The acoustic intro, it's all right. Not, not a big fan. Not bad. One thing that I really hate is the whole part where Bruce says that he danced and he pranced. He danced and he pranced. <laughs> He's like, I danced like, and he pranced and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I have a clip to play for you, and I want you to, want you to think, tell me what you think of this clip. And I danced and I pranced and I sang with it. 
Far too much dancing, not nearly enough prancing. <laughs> Classic Burns. So, uh, yeah. When I heard Burns. that, when I hear that song, all I can think of is Mr. Burns complaining about uh, dancing and prancing. <laughs> Man, you know what? Maybe we should be dropping Simpsons quotes because you notice, like, most people don't know them anymore. But yeah, Simpsons quotes, like, yeah. <laughs> people are quoting these days I don't know yeah too much dancing what are the, what are the kids co- quoting these days get more <laughs> girls I don't know um, they're quoting uh, Rick and Morty these days but uh, I don't like uh, I don't know and live Bruce has that like cape on and with a hood and it's kind of like a reaper thing and then at the end he like spins around like he's like spinning and spinning and spinning and doing the dance of death and I'm like it's just cheesy and I'm like it's cheesy I don't know Maiden you always talk about Maiden and it's kind of camp- this is kind of campy and this is kind yeah, of whatever but I mean whatever. that in a good way There's I know and I mean that too campy, yeah. but like this is like they went up to the, like they always kind of like it's a little bit tongue in cheek or whatever but this is yeah. like way over the line yeah. to me to, to the point where it's like yeah Way, it's way too far. And way I, too far. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to expand on that because the campy piece is important. Because like, you know, when you say like it, it's campy and there's you know there's death, it's like you're not sitting there going yeah death yeah death this is great like yeah. you, you know you're you're enjoying it as the grandeur of it all yeah and there's good and there's bad but I find this one there's a theme in this where like you know you come in there's a circle and you're at the dance of death and it's got that theme that's in so many music songs where it's like dark. And you're walking along, and you encounter that life or death balance. And I, I always say it's like the the version of the song where you come in, and all of a sudden you're playing a, a hand of cards with the devil, or you're in that moment where you're you know you're in a life and death scenario, and you've kind of stumbled upon it, and you realize the balance of life and death is so frivolous and so real and so transparent. It's, it's a metaphor, and it's simple, and it's kind of can't yeah. be, but it's great. And that's in this song, and I love it. And I love those things where like it's you know, poorly that, executed. Yes, it's so poorly executed. Do you have that clip? That's, so, yes. the thing I hate is, yes. like, this sounds like an Irish jig. And I don't like the Irish jig part. And I like it, I don't like, I like it even less when, yeah. when Bruce sings over it. Yeah. So here is the jig, and I'll, then afterwards it's Bruce singing over it. And I think it's, this is just horrible. That is the worst, but I've got the worst. You know when I hear that, because I said to you, I was like, tee that part up. You were yeah. already going to tee it up. Were you? I did. I already had a clip that, of it made. Both of us focusing on that. Yeah. This is a song with a good theme, and then it happens. Do you know what that reminds me of as soon as that came on? What? Every single time. It reminds me of that stupid part. Well, stupid, but also great part in Spinal Tap, where they had to lower, okay. that, they had to lower that, that little like 11-inch I'm, thing, I mean, and I'm, they had the dwarfs. Okay. Yeah. So I'm 100% happy that that reminded you of this, because <laughs> yes. listen, listen to this clip that I made, not knowing you were going to say that. Oh my listen God. to this.
Because I texted you today and I was like, tee up this time in the song. <laughs> I was like, for me, it's just remember those, those dwarves dancing around. The guy was like, it's 11 inches. And it was supposed I know, to be like I know. 11 feet. This is their like crossing over into it's Spinal exactly Tap the territory. Same. Yeah, and it's it's so ridiculous. <laughs> but like, yeah. and oh, Man, when he sings like, in the dance of that. Like, you, it's such a... Oh, in that song, it's just you can't take it serious. That is so hilarious. Yeah. Came out of that. As soon as I <laughs> I'm glad that you thought time, the same thing. because oh, uh, yeah. But I love Spinal Tap. But like... And that's too far camp. You know what I mean? I don't want Maiden going to that space. So, this song, yeah, it, it sounds like an Irish jig at parts. And Which this I is not, do love. This is not news to you yeah. that I hate Irish music. I, love I hate Irish traditional music. Irish music. Yeah. I don't hate, like, Thin Lizzy and U2 or whatever. I'm a proud Irish Newfoundlander, so I do okay. love Irish music. So, uh, <laughs> not in this way. I can't stand Irish music. I think there's like three Irish songs. They change the lyrics and speed them up and slow them down. It's all simple, repetitive. The six eight time, the deedly deedly deedly. I hate it. To me, it's like people are like, "Oh, well, it's good for having like a, having a dance to whatever." But like, I'd throw it up there with like electronic dance music. I'm not like trashing it because it's simple. Because like I love the Ramones and the Ramones Ramones are super simple. But they have like passion behind it. It wasn't the same chord progressions every song. They like, but they change it up a lot. And the Ramones have like. The vocals, they have like hooks and they're catchy and they're great pop songs and they're just like great rock songs. But Irish music is just like the same shit over and over again. I don't know. I just, I find it super, super annoying. I don't know. I don't like accordions. I don't like flutes and whistles or whatever it is they play. And it just, like, to me, it's really annoying. Yeah. When I hear Irish music, it's, you can't get in yet. I know you lived in Ireland, blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I also but like if I went somewhere and they're playing Irish music in the background, it's so annoying to me that I can't even tune it out as background music. Like, it annoys me that it's much. Like, okay. Like How do you feel like when you hear this? Do you find this annoying? I find this so annoying. Like, this is like noise to me. It makes me want to tear my hair out. And this is the exact. Okay. So when that, I hear that clip, I'm, I'm wondering, like, are my E's kicking in? So that, <laughs> that clip. That's the way I feel yeah. when I hear. I feel the same way when I hear that as I when I hear Irish music. That's not it's like I, annoying to me. Yeah, but, but but both of them actually serve the same purpose, which is is a known quantity, so it allows you to get into it. You see, the beauty with Irish music okay. is a it's hyper. This is gonna be a hard hard sell. Well, I'm not trying it. to sell you. I know. But I'm gonna defend my Irish music because <laughs> I love Irish music. But so it's so tied to our culture. And whose uh, culture? Uh, I would say the culture of Newfoundland, specifically Irish Newfoundlanders. All right, I suppose. You know, of which I strongly identify. Um, but also, it's just great drinking music. Why is it great drinking music? Because it's simple and it's easy and everybody knows the words. Like, no one wants to pull it. Like, if we were, you know, what what I just say? Like, uh, you know, what a, from this album, like, where we're going to go into Passchendaele. Like, let's pull it. Guys, we're playing Passchendaele on guitar. No one's going to know. You pull out, like, you know, any Irish tune, like Whiskey in a Jar. Because they all sound exactly the same. They, it's not because they sound the same. It's also because they've traveled well because they are relatively simple. But you know what? It, it goes back to the age old. There's a seesaw between level of knowledge and awesomeness. And the more... the more uh, What are you talking about, the level tr- of knowledge seesaw <laughs> with awesomeness? No, it's like it's a trade-off. It's like to, to be super awesome, you're going to have to... You're going to... You you know, you get into that level of music where it's amazing. It becomes a more uh, elitist, more... Uh, less people know about it. So when you have that situation, you can't break it at a party. So it becomes... I disagree. Any Ramon song is simple and awesome. Everybody, and everyone yeah. loves it. Yeah. Everybody knows the words to happy birthday and it's a shitty song, right? It's like, there's no So you're defeating your own, no. your own thing because you're no, like, I'm Irish music is great because everyone knows the words to it. Yeah, but I'm saying it's, but everyone can enjoy it. So it's, I'm not saying that it's uh, happy Almost birthday, everyone. Guess, almost everyone, <laughs> except Nesbitt, which is what makes it great. I would argue that uh, it is not as simple as you're making it. Some of it is. And like, there's people that can play like tin flute and they're singing along and there's like strumming three chords and it's pretty basic. And there's some more complex stuff. But ultimately it is a basic pattern, but it's built on like folk tales. And, you know, if someone has a really good voice or is a really good at like a violin or a mandolin or an accordion, they can take it to the next level. But ultimately it is a common sound that just puts people in that mood. Okay, right? so how about this? Yeah. Blues music. Yeah. I could listen to someone play blues guitar at a blues yeah. bar. Yeah. Blues music's all the same blues scale, and it's all the same. A lot of the same. It's the same thing. It's like yeah. a couple of different chord progressions, and yeah. the, like they all kind of fit into 
whatever. But the thing is, when I hear when I hear blues music, I feel something. Yeah, no, when I hear Irish music, I don't feel anything that except is annoyance. Total crap. Like, so, so first off, if you listen to blues music yeah. as much as you listen, which to, I don't listen to a lot of no, it, but I you listen don't. To some. But also, you're thinking about like the really, the really complex. I'm talking about the times I've gone down to the Seth jazz music, by the way. Well, but uh, no, not at all. You know okay. what you're talking about. Well, for but I'm talking about the, there's a few times I've gone down to the yeah. Fat Cat Blues Bar and sat there, and people get up and they just play that's a, guitar. That's not. That's not jazz or blues down there that's people playing like soft rock pretending like you don't know what you're talking about I, I think I do you don't have you ever been there you've never stepped I went there like twice I'm okay fine. so you're an expert I'm an expert on it okay or if no I listen one, to any no one in this town it's like everybody is like an Irish musician who's playing what, what you want you're totally wrong okay maybe. you don't know what you're talking about How many? you're from Grand Falls and you yeah. have no idea what you're talking about uh, fair enough <laughs> if I listen to blues music I there's no one singing blues here yeah. There's a lot of like, amazing blues guitars here. Anyway, really? okay. when I listen to blues music, yeah. I feel something. When I hear Irish music, I don't feel anything. Great Big C is an amazing band. and They they, they can get a room hopping better than anyone. It's like everyone could participate. Because they're taking Irish music and kind of like turning it more into a rock yeah, thing. Yeah, and they are. But I mean, I don't, I don't, when I say I like Irish music, I mean, I like modern versions of Irish music. I like, like Pogues. I like... Fuck, that's great. Like, I we live in a stand. world where everyone's okay. on their goddamn phones. I don't get this thing about the Pogues. Why do people like the Pogues? Tell because me, they're fucking awesome. What's great about them? That Christmas song they have is horrible. And I've only it's heard awesome. three or four. That Christmas song? It's awesome. It's a Christmas song that they play in the radio where one person calls one person a slut on junk and the other one calls the other one a faggot. That's that's the, that's the whole average experience of life is that we look at the world and we're just like naturally miserable. That's the point. Okay. I'm not naturally miserable, so I don't identify yeah, with it, and I hate it. It's it's awesome. <laughs> well, it's fair enough. But for me, I mean, I tend to think so things are pretty good. Like, what is Christmas time? It's like you know, I mean, that's that's you know, Christmas in New York, that famous Pope song. I mean, it's that's that is the Irish experience of life, all summed up in a Christmas music. It's like positive, and everyone cheers to it, but they're like they're bickering. But that's that's an Irish experience of life. Oh man, I don't know. I I think you're missing out. Anyway, we'll but never agree on this. Are naturally. The, the way, like, at least where I'm Can from, we move on to Gates, gates of Tomorrow? On. And some of it is simple. You like, love it, and I hate it. And fair enough. Maybe someday. Someday. So, I'll make you a mix, Nesbitt. I'll make you like it. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that to you. That's what you do to me. <laughs> I'm just going to let you do you, and I'm going to love Irish music. And you know what? When I go down to O'Reilly's, and uh, I go in, and I'm five pints in. Yeah, and uh, well, maybe I've never been drunk enough to enjoy. Oh my Irish god, music. my my sister and I. Could maybe have, I've never had that eleventh or twelfth pint. And, like that me and Janine makes are down there. My sister and she's awesome. You, it's not your standards, like, and they get on there and they start cracking or something like God, girl, something. We're up, giving her, loving it. Love yeah, I know the I know I all the Led songs. Zeppelin, I love Iron Maiden. I love Mozart. All the songs Irish that you're naming, music. like this Galway girl song. They're all I know the exact. I know They're all the songs you're talking about, and yeah, I don't know, man, like. I know, I get it. I know. And when I hear my favorite music, which is yeah. Maiden, mixed with something that I hate, it'd be like if Maiden put out a song that was like for a rave and it was like, oh, like, oh, we got it. It's just yeah, Br- Bruce Dickinson too. singing with that. a DJ, but it's like DJ friggin' that. the guy that has the mouse helmet, whatever that guy's name is. Uh, Death. No. <laughs> Death Punk. It has a mouse no, uh, name. The mouse helmet. I know what you're saying. You know what I mean? DJ it's like mouse ears. He did a song and Bruce Dickinson and Nico, they sampled Nico's drums, so it's kind of an Iron Maiden's. I'd be like, this is maiden. garbage. Stop garbage. ruining my Maiden and it makes me angry. And this is like music I don't like mixed with my favorite music and that. I don't know. Anyway, track number six is yeah. <laughs> that song. It's all good. Can I uh, before we move on to the next song? After all the slag, before we for your music, I'm happy here. <laughs> bring it on. Before we move on to the next track, yeah, I think that this dance to death song is the worst song in the Maiden catalog, including all the all the virtual eleven songs, oh. and I think there isn't anything worse to too me soon, too than soon. dance too soon. Yeah, because I've I listened think... to. It's in the. It's pretty bad. Well, it, no, like name it, a song, name a maiden song that's no, worse. That's no, not a B no, song. No, I'm not doing that. I would say this: the fact that it's named after the album and it's so well placed in the album, you have an absolute point. Yeah. You could pick songs that are last or second last or third last in the album, which are yeah, and they're just nothing to them, and they're just like skip or you know just tune, tune out. I get that. This is a title track. Yeah, there. This is 
No one would argue this isn't the worst title track. They went off the rails on this one, man. They went off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm starting to like it now. I might have to play it on old man to lay it down. You're going to love this song out of spite now, now after what I just now. said. I'm going to love it. Gates, Gates of Tomorrow. Yeah, a little bit of Ozzy dubbed in it. <laughs> Gates of Tomorrow. Another Yannick song, right? Yeah. Catchy. So, it's some, a short rocker. Yeah, some great vocals. It's in good here. to wash the taste of Dance of Death yeah. out of your mouth after you fast forward through it. That's right. <laughs> I gave it a seven and a half or an eight. Like I think it's good. The gates of tomorrow, it's good. It brings yeah. it back. I really like the intro. Yeah. Though you know the guitar part at the beginning. Yeah. It's kind of different, and the way the bass lays over it is kind of cool. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. I love that. Chorus is cool. Yeah. The chorus is good. Uh, know, it's a short song. It's not up there with the epics. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with like a five-minute catchy rocker there's, from Maiden. There's got to be. A you know name. what I mean? What is the name of a song where the the name of the song is right in the chorus? Like most songs. Yeah. No, but <laughs> I know most songs. But you know, there's like the name of you know they have those things where it's like. Uh, the title track of an album is a certain type of name or if you if you grow up in a town you have the same name as that town it's like there's there's like when things are named after something else there's a word for it there anyway there should be some equivalent here because like some maiden songs the title called a title track as soon as you listen to it a title track a title track for dance of death yeah uh the the song itself but you know what i mean gates of tomorrow it's it's so descriptive in and of itself it's simple in that way yeah uh but it's like a very catchy it's great it's like Heaven Can Wait, Lord of the Flies, yeah. Wildest Dreams, Speed of Light, Speed of Light. Different World. Yeah. It's those like short rockers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you say it's short, it's what, five, yeah. five plus minutes? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's cool. It's kind of... Uh, who, who wrote this? Yannick. Yannick. Yeah. It's good, but it's not great. It's yeah. kind of fillery, but the chorus kind of makes... take. It would be filler, but the chorus is so catchy, I think, that like it kind of raises it above the like filler level. So, I don't know. But they've never played it live, so I don't think, you yeah. know, I don't think they think that much of it. Really? It's never been played live. On the second half, if you count this as the second half, 6 yeah. through 11. I really like the song. I put this up there. I yeah. know. Well, see, there's not much below it. It's, it's a, a good, B plus. Good <laughs> yeah, it, and that's what I've got it as a 7.5, so B plus. Okay, that's a B plus. Okay. Yeah. Next song? New Frontier. New Frontier. B plus. I like the song a lot. Now, yeah. this is Nico's first song that he's ever written. Yeah. yeah, and and my my main takeaway on this, my main note, and I'm just looking at the writing credits now with Nico there. Uh, but I, my my main takeaway was this was this the drumming pace. Yeah, on this track it's is pretty just cool. so intense, right? Yeah. So I read uh, in one of those books I was reading. Yeah. So Nico wrote this on the on a bass. Yeah. And then he took it to Adrian, and Adrian helped flesh out like the solo part in the middle. Yeah. And then Nico said he was like really nervous he had to stand he stood in he taught it to all the guys and he stood in, st- in front of steve harris yeah. and he steve's like he's trying to show steve how to play it yeah. on the bass where so he's playing it and then he's finished playing it for uh, steve and steve's like oh that's pretty good that's not half bad he's like nico you want to pl- you want to play bass on this one for the al- for the album and nick was like no <laughs> i'm no. not the bass player yeah but uh and it was kind of cool and then they asked uh Steve Harris about it and he was like listen if a song's good it's good if it's not good it's not good yeah. make it on the album if it's good and this one's good so fair enough it's pretty cool anyway it's uh, it's about uh, the ethics of like cloning and how that's like playing God yeah and that's what the whole lyrics are about like the talking about creating some new Frankenstein cool it's like create a beast made a man without a soul so it's all like I don't it's know. interesting because that was around the time of Dolly the Sheep yeah yeah, yeah, it's around the same Denver, time. Yeah. yeah, which I went and saw. She yeah. stuffed in a museum at Denver. Oh, yeah? I went and saw her in 2007 or 2008 or nine. Adrian's solo on this is one of the best solos on the album. And I love how it breaks down yeah. before the solo. And then Adrian comes in with his guitar solo and he's just it's just like screams in and it's super cool. So I got a clip of that I'm going to play for you now.
think Adrian Smith just like destroys that solo. It's great. They've never done the song live either, so. No? Yeah. There's some really cool echo effects on the vocals. My key takeaway from this is it's it, there's some there's some really similar riffs on this. And um, you know, it's not a very uh, original track, but it's really exciting. And uh, you know, it's just the drum pace for me. It's like yeah. it's funny you say that, that you know Nico was talking about the, the bass because you can tell like it was built for a drummer. Yeah, his drum pace is crazy. But he but plays the, it really simple. He doesn't like over. Yeah, but the, the, something's going on it. with the vocals there. I'd love to dig into that because I don't know what's going on. But when I listened to it, I was like, there had to be the. effect on the vocals there that um you know reflection on it now like i feel it's a cool echo on the vocals but we just listened to it there and, yeah i think it's yeah, doubled, double double tracked so vocals. what does that mean he just sang the vocals twice and they look he they sang it like, and they sang it again yeah. over it so two yeah. and an echo similar concept yeah like yeah. most of uh like on teen spirit yeah. that's how Kurt cobain did it but his sounds so I similar was, i thought it was the drugs <laughs> But it's, yeah, it's like it's a double track vocal. But it sounds really cool. Cool. But I never really noticed that until you mentioned it. All right, moving on. The next song is Passiondale. Yeah, and I gave seven and a half out of five. Hold on. On, on uh, New Frontier. New Front- well, New Frontier is great, and I mean, yeah. you're getting uh, like the this second side of the album. Yeah. You're getting a lot of like catchy chorus. Yeah. Not, there's no epics. It's just kind of so far. It's just like. Yeah, it's waiting for this song. Yeah, it's waiting for the song. But before we get into the song, listen to this. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. I almost yeah. forgotten. So what are you opening there? I know. We almost yeah, we're back to the hallowed. We don't yeah. have the new beer yet, but um, actually, to be honest with you, I bought a bunch of these for our, our podcast session. And um, I had, uh, actually, my uncle was over. And, uh, you know, we were getting a little low on beer. And, uh, well, I had a lot of beer in the fridge, but nothing he would drink. I was like, if you tried this, and I gave it to him, he loved it. Oh, yeah? It's like he went off and he was like, well, this iron made mirrors. That's not his voice at all. But anyway, <laughs> uh, he loved it. And he had uh, a couple of them. So that's the last one there. I had three or four saved for the podcast. I know, I'm getting low too. Yeah, I am too. And, and when I went out to the, you know, to the NLC, Sadly, there's well, no. Fortunately, I guess for Robinsons, uh, they've um, you know they're selling quite well. Yeah. So there's not a lot left. But I'm, I'm anxious to get the new. There's beer. none left in the city. There's no. eight left at the Mary Meeting location. I checked. Well, that's the one I go to. Yeah. That's where I've got these from. There's eight of them as of Sunday. Really? Yeah. The inventory so is online. Ago. That's yeah. a good ERP system. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, and there's one red and yeah. black porter in paradise. <laughs> There's one red and black in paradise. Really? Yeah. Have we done that on the podcast? We haven't yet, but I love those. I drank them all before we started doing the yeah. podcast. So, well, fair enough. Back to the album. Back to the album. So, Passion Dale. Before we break it down, yeah. Can I throw back to the matter of life and death? So, you know, part of my vision approach versus your deep dive approach also has to do with the fact that I have a memory like Nemo, and. <laughs> Remember when we were in there, we were talking about it in the longest day, and you were breaking it down, and you are saying, you know, the D-Day thing. And, of course, I'm a World War II nut. Like, most guys our age are, you know, we look back at yeah. at our grandparents' generation. Actually, today on Facebook, I shared a picture of my grandfather in uh, in his World War II uniform with my second cousin tagged. Someone flagged it to me, and it was an awesome picture of him on the wharf, and he was so proud and young. Uh, so we're so proud of that. And you said, like, there's this awesome scene with the, uh, you know, the mashup with private ryan and right. i pulled it up and like i was like really so i pulled it up not only like i've seen that so many times and then i went and i searched and you would email me that like 10 years ago or six years ago or something okay and i've been through it a bunch and i sent it to a bunch of people and i watched it a ton but also in that thread like so i've seen that a ton of times so like so i was He's like forgot. oh my god they yeah. finally did it but as soon as i saw it i was like oh i remember watching yeah because i'm sure i sent it to you years remember that ago. we got yeah. drunk here one time in the loft and watched it Oh, yeah, you're right. Remember, we did. Yeah, I do remember. We did. And, and I was like, oh, my God, I've seen this a hundred times. Now I, I forgot like about that. I'm like a total that. idiot. Yeah. But, like, I, I, I forget stuff. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but then I saw the Passion Deal World War One one. Yeah. You know, so that yeah. was excellent. So tee up that. So 
Yeah, the Patrick Neal World War One one the clip that on YouTube. It doesn't no. So okay, this is Adrian Smith written. Yeah, one of their best war. It's up there with the longest day. Yeah. It's like this is what Maiden does best. It's the yeah. epic war songs, right? Yeah. Solos aren't insane in this, but like the whole song is a as a structure. Like the longest day of the solos are yeah. memorable. Like they're some of the best Maiden solos. But the solos in this are kind of like they just kind of like they they kind of move yeah. the mood along, but they're not like really memorable or hummable. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's great. This is a uh, named after the Battle of Passchendaele. Yeah. So do you know much about the Battle of Passchendaele? Well, I read about it in this lead up, yeah. Because I did a big, yeah. uh, but not I got time. in a phase where I read like a whole bunch of books about World War One right in a row, like about a year ago. Yeah. And the Great War. The whole part about like, you read about like Verdun and like. Uh, the, or Beaumont Hamill for the Newfoundlanders. Yeah, that was the Battle of the Somme. Yeah, well, Battle of Passchendaele, awesome. though, ha- is unique in that it's like an extra, extra horrible battle. It's a three and a half month battle. It's British, Canadian, Newfoundland, Australian, and New Zealand, or ANZAC. They call them forces. So uh, it's in Belgium, this around this town of Passchendaele. Yeah. The third battle of uh, Ypres, I think is the way you pronounce it. Yeah. So Flanders Fields is the yeah. second battle of Ypres. Yeah. Well, that's the way I've heard it pronounced yeah. in these documentaries I watched. Um, so before the battle, they shot over four million shells of artillery. Four million, and it's like it's not that big of a battlefield, right? And they destroyed. They had these like hundred-year-old drainage systems, yeah. and they just destroyed all that. And then they had like the heaviest rains in thirty years. And the heavy rains turned the whole thing into, like, mud. And then the mud was just churned up and churned up by this artillery. And it was, like, they described it as, like, oatmeal or porridge. It was almost like quicksand, right? Like, you'd, uh... It's a meat grinder. Yeah, and you'd, and, yeah, you'd walk into it, you'd sink up to your waist, and you'd get cut down by, like, machine guns or whatever. So, I listened to this podcast called Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. It's called Blueprint for Armageddon. And there's five episodes, and they're like four and a half hours each. So it's kind of, if you want to listen to like 20 plus hours about World War One, But it's super interesting. It's like the best thing I've ever heard about any kind of war history. And anyway, if, if anyone wants to hear about it, it's at like episode five, like four hours in, it gets into the Battle of Passchendaele. And he just, he's like, and he's reading first person accounts of people that were there like describing it and stuff and like they said that the mud was like bottomless and when you sink in it you wouldn't you wouldn't get out like you people would step they're sinking the mud up their waist they get like four guys and they take their guns and like put a gun under each armpit and four guys would try to pull yeah, the guy the out and they just couldn't get him out the suction so yeah and like horses drowned guns sank the tanks that they tried to use just couldn't get through it and people were like sinking in it. They get sunk up to their chest, and they'd just be there for they'd like they'd be there for a couple of days, and they'd be like p- begging people just to kill them. And a lot of times they were like executing people because they're just they couldn't get them out, and the people were just begging to be shot. It was like terrible, right? And there was hardly any casualties because when people get shot and they fell down into this, they just drown. You have this battlefield of like quicksand, basically, with these huge artillery craters in it. And there's also the first use of mustard gas was at this battle. By the Germans, the first use of gas. So, like, yeah, they said there was, like, a dead body for every square meter of the battlefield. Craters filled with mud, and, like, the mustard gas would, like, settle into it. So if you jumped into into it, like, the water would, like, blister your skin. And there was, like, dead body parts and dead horses and stuff rotting. And there was this... And on top of that, machine gun fire, constant, like, shelling. Anyway, they uh, they finally gained, like, five miles of ground. And they took the, the, I think the Canadians were the ones that captured the actual town of Passchendaele. Anyway, eventually they just like, they abandoned it and the Germans took it back. So it was all for nothing, right? And anyway, 325,000 Allied and 260,000 German soldiers. So over half a million people died. It was like you said, a meat grinder of people like dying. It was crazy. So, I don't know. It's heartbreaking to think about all that, but also... 
from their perspective, all that suffering, like it's it's bad enough when it happens now, and you think about the, the things that have happened in Afghanistan and, and various peacekeeping missions, and and you know, and then people that are suffering in in war torn areas right now, and like you read about all the stuff that's going on in the Middle East, and like you know, people that are just living their lives, getting caught up in these conflicts, and all this horrific reality. But back then, even more so than than now, way more you so. You the- couldn't, but back then. Like when you were dying and in that, the general might send a letter or five hard messages like, this is a really tough time, guys. And they're like, well, the general gets it. Well, when I was in the Boer War, uh, actually, no, like we're in an absolute load of crap. Well, I don't really care. So it's like, not only are you, can you imagine being a soldier in that situation? Not only do you have to face this, not only have to watch all this, not only have to survive it, like no one gives a crap. It's, it's just horrific. I mean, there are so many young men. And, like, you know, I mean, you know, we're 40. Like, you know, if we die, it's horrific. Yeah. But we have, like, I mean, 16, 18, 20-year-olds. It's horrific. Yeah, yeah they didn't even live. Like, yeah. they didn't... They weren't eating avocados. See, I'm horrible because I read all these books. And I yeah. listen to this. I listen to 25 hours of this podcast, which yeah. is, like, a history lesson of World War One. Yeah. And then I instantly, like, a year later, I can't remember any of the details. I just remember well, you, the basic facts because it's just... I don't know. They're pretty much, they all just accepted that they're going to die. They're just like, you get to a point where you're just like, well, Well, we're all going to die. I mean, the Newfoundland Regiment. I mean, we got wiped out of Beaumont Hamill. There was what? You know, I mean, less than one in 10, less one in in 12 showed up for roll call the next day. I mean, decimated. And uh, it's so messed up and it's so real. It's, uh, it's, it's, It's exciting to talk about it because it brings the human experience to another level. And like, we got to get past this bickering and realize that there's an actual you know a reality to life so i love it yeah anyway yeah it's cool that someone finally made a song about this because it's just like it's a great song yeah and i didn't realize till i kind of and i all growing up i was kind of into like world war ii history and stuff like that and then you picture like world war ii you have this picture of like the 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 trenches and yeah. the stalemate, and then they like they blow the whistle and they charge right. over. The and Imagine st- a yeah. line, yeah, yeah. But like this is a totally different like kind of like hell on earth. So when they wrote the song about this, I think it's really cool. They picked something very. I don't know. I don't think a lot of people know a lot about World War One compared to World War Two. Well, it's been of, drowned out. Yeah, there's a couple of reasons too. The multimedia. The level at which video and photography was captured in World War II. The reason the too. fact of That's a living true memory. Too. Like yeah. I remember when I was a child, like we had World War One veterans yeah. that were like, you know, more incapacitated than than uh, World War Two veterans are now. Like they were right. like this guy was alive during the World War One and like World War Two was also the Nazis. It was sexy in the sense of like his kids. <laughs> no, it's, you know, I know kids what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. It yeah. made sense. Like we were playing board games. And yeah. World War One was the same people, but it was like crappier guns. And you yeah. know what I mean. So before they did the song live, mm-hmm. uh, there was a song called "Anthem for a Doomed Youth" by Wilfred Owen. So Bruce used to read that. So they would be doing their set list. They'd get to the Passionale part. Everything would go black in the in the stadium. There'd be flashes of light and like sound of artillery and war, and then the staff, the not the staff, but the crew that were setting up the stage were all dressed in World War One outfits, and they would come out and they'd be setting up like barbed wire and stuff, and you'd see like flashes of them when the lights went off. Yeah. And uh, Bruce used to read this poem over the uh, over the PA. die as cattle. Only the monstrous anger of the guns. Only the stuttering rifles rapid rattle. No mockeries for them from prayers or bells. Nor any voice of mourning save the choirs. The shrill, demented choirs of wailing shells.
<laughs> that's such a great tee up. Yeah. Well, that's from the the Death on the Road, so yeah. you can watch this whole song. Oh, man, the, this is a really good album. It is a really good album. Yeah, it's a really yeah. good album. The artwork, garbage, yeah. Dance of Death, title track. It's like they undersold it. It's like the the album itself. Here's a shitty case, and here's a title track that sucks, and yeah. everything else is really, really good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So no, I love that song. Yeah. I love it's got song. a cool intro. Yeah. It's a, it's just epic. It's great, and yeah. Bruce's vocals are great, and I love his, I love how he does like he sings the chorus, yeah. and then like the harmonies of the chorus come on. Uh, I got a clip of that too. Listen to this. Home, far away, but the war. No chance to live again. Home, far away from the war. A chance to live again. Like, that's as good of a chorus as Maiden has ever done. Like, it's a sing-along, fist pump. It's got a lot of emotion behind it. You can't hear it without being like... But you're turning me live on the podcast now, like you did with Longest Day, and it's like as soon as you bring the war theme into it, yeah. it just has this depth. Like for me, Passion Yell, I rated it like an eight out of ten. I was like, it let me down on solos, and I was like, it was a long track, and I love it. And I watch the YouTube videos, but the and and I get the context. But like now, as you break down the and then the lead in there mm. with the thing, I'm just ah, oh, that's so good. I'm up, yeah. up to eight point five nine. That's so awesome. This is one of. It's the one of the best Maiden War songs. It it's is. like the Trooper, This Longest Day. Yeah, it's great. I love it. All right, next song. Excellent. Face in the Sand. I'm curious what you think of this song. Um, I, I don't have a lot of notes on this one. I just said more or less like it's an epic track, but it's like a lot of other uh, songs. I just say I just I described it. My my key takeaway is very Maiden. It is very Maiden. Very Maiden. It's kind you of know? unique sounding. It is. Uh. What would you What would you say if I told you like others, yeah. that this is my favorite song on the album? I would say, are you Are you telling me a yearn? <laughs> are you Are you? I think this is my favorite song on the album. Really I love it. Yeah, better than Passion Dale for you. Uh, it's up there. I don't it's know. Up there. I love. It's like a slow build, yeah. and they just layer the guitars on. And when the guitars come in, it sounds like uh, it's like a howling sound. Yeah. It's a really like. Which fits the mood. It's like really like ominous and yeah. I don't know. And when it comes in, if you listen to it in headphones, when the guitar comes in, it comes all in on the right speaker only, and then it kicks in. It sounds really cool. And then when the drumming comes in, it's this like pounding, unrelenting double kick. Like this is the only song that Nick was ever used a double kick drum on, and the really? drums are just like bump, 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 bump. It's so yeah, I got that note pounding. Made. It's it's just really yeah, it's great. He used a double here, even though he yeah. wouldn't at the start of Peace of Mind. Yeah, well, I read an interview with him, yeah. and he said that he 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 started pl- trying to play it on the single, but he just couldn't keep just it up for the it. whole song. Like he could play it, but he couldn't get through the whole song. So yeah, this is the only one where he used a double kick pedal. She used a drum machine, yeah. like that Irish music, but it on. And like, the riff in it has a, it kind of has that same dance of death feel to yeah. it, but they don't overdo it, so it fits the theme of the album. And uh, I don't know, it's it's great. And anyway, I'm gonna play you a clip, which is like, right when the the howling guitar comes in, and the double kick drums come in, and it's just it sounds great. I think it's great. I think it's one of the best. It's maybe the best song on the album. It's totally underrated. Like if we do an episode of underrated, this is gonna be like yeah, up there. As soon as like 
you play the double bass. I'm just waiting for yeah. the chorus to kick in after yeah. that. I just it's love it. It's great. And the I love his vocals kick in. The melody of the the verses yeah. is great. The melody of the pre-chorus is great. And that uh and the chorus is just it's super catchy. It's the vocals are amazing. The vocal melodies of this whole song are amazing. Yeah. And it has that unrelenting pounding underneath. It's really heavy. I had this 8 out of 10. But it's now so great. That, now, once you play that clip, yeah. I'm just like, oh, I want to upgrade it. I love it. That's the problem with this Maiden stuff. It's yeah. like Dance of Death. If you were to say to me at the beginning, what would the average song be? I'd say 6 out of 10. Yeah. I'm now just, I'm, yeah. I'm up around 7 and 8. Yeah. Like, you listen to it. Yeah. Bruce Dickinson but song, could, yeah. could, could fart on the toilet. Like, <laughs> like eight out of ten. Like I don't know what it is. I mean, the more you listen, but that's to not it, true because like Dance of Death, we tore apart because we don't like it. If you like well, it, you the, like the it. If you don't like it, you don't like the, it. And the artwork, but everything else is so yeah. good. I know, but this song, yeah. I love the the lyrics too. It's like, yeah. I think the lyrics are kind of like everyone's kind of addicted to the news and like the yeah. fear mongering media, and it's always like the end of the world and like. It goes back to that like doomsday clock stuff. Like, it's the end of the world all the time. It's in your face all the time, and it's always been the end, almost the end of the world, and it'll always be almost the end of the world. Everyone's just like always, constantly freaking. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. You know what I think this album is? In that rom com movie, it's that girl with the bad hair and the horrible glasses and the horrible teeth. And then her name is Gertrude. Oh, yeah, she takes her hair out of the ponytail and shakes her. Garner, yeah. And you change the name from Dance of Death, and you give it a makeover, and it's all of a sudden, boom, <laughs> yeah. nine out of ten, rock star, yeah. quarterback's girlfriend. <laughs> anyway, this is one of my favorite album songs on the album, by far. I love it. And I always forget about it, because Adrian it's buried Smith. on this album. It's great. Can't go wrong. Next song, Age, Age of Innocence. Innocence. Uh, good tune, not super exciting for me. Yeah, so... Yeah. It's kind of it's a Dave Murray song. Yeah, he plays all the guitar on it, all the solos or whatever. Um, it's pretty like cool. It's yeah. kind of strange. Yeah, the lyrics I find strange. I find like the chorus is good. The verses I don't like the way that the the verse lyrics lay over the music. Yeah, and the lyrics don't rhyme. It just seems kind of like I don't know. It's a lull for yeah. me before Journeyman. Like I have. Yeah, and there's no cheesy keyboards, and yeah. I don't know. I find, like, on a bunch of songs on this album, I find Bruce's vocals sound a little strained. Do you find that? In this song especially. I wouldn't say strained, but I would say unenthusiastic. See, I think it's, he sounds strange, like, a little yeah. bit, like he's, I don't know. I just feel like he's going through the motions. No, I never got that. I never yeah. got that from it. Um, and also, now that I look at it, you know, it's just off the fly, I mean... Well, he's got six writing credits, you know. Yeah. I just wonder how engaged he was in some of it from a vocal perspective. But yeah, this, this I don't know, H. Innocence is, I don't know. For me, at this stage... I really I do like the chorus. Almost. I really like the yeah. chorus. But there's so many songs yeah. like this on the album Yeah. that are kind of like, they're short, they're kind of a rocker. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That this one's just another one of those songs. And it kind of gets lost in there. It does. And I don't know. It's and compared to the other songs that are similar to it on the album, it doesn't really yeah. stand out. So yeah, I gave it a seven I don't know. half out of ten. I mean, it's a yeah. Place. I don't know if it would even go that high. The chorus I would Maybe give an seven. eight, and the rest of the song I would give like a five and a half. Yeah, fair enough. I don't know. And then the last song, Journeyman. Yeah. What do you think of that? Man, I love it. You love it? I love it. I'm not a huge fan. Man. I love it. Not a huge fan. It's I don't just, know. It's just it's just a long wind down to the album. Like, I, I really love it. I think it's an epic song. So they say it's the first acoustic song. Really? By Maiden. But then I think of uh, The Prodigal Son. It's not acoustic. It has, a, just, it has electric guitar solos over it. So. The way Bruce sings it, like, you know, I just love yeah, it. Yeah, but I would like... Jim. This sounds almost like it should have been on, like, a, a Bruce solo album. Yeah, or you, you could argue that. You could also argue... It, it doesn't have any Maiden... You could also argue it doesn't Does it sound like Maiden to you? Uh... Probably not. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like oh, Bruce. You know, it's on the fringe. Dickinson. It does, but uh, there's just something I love about this. Yeah. And I, you know, let's I don't know. say what I want. I just love the way he's just like <laughs> epically. Pressed. No guitar solo on the song. No guitar solo. No. Uh, for a seven minute song, that's a bit yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. So, the song started as an electric song. Yeah. And they just did it as like a regular Maiden song. Yeah. And. Yeah, Bruce Dickinson said, like, they came up with the chorus first, and they're like, it's going to be, like, one of those anthemic 
Is yeah. that how you pronounce it? Anthemic? <laughs> like an anthem. Yeah. But he's like, I didn't want to turn into like a born in the USA kind of like sing along yeah. thing. So I have a quote here from Kevin Shirley's Dance of Death recording the diary or whatever. He says, we cut the track being rehearsed above and it came out great. And someone suggested putting an acoustic guitar on it. So I said, well, let's cut an acoustic version as well. So we had to, they had to rent some acoustic guitars and cut an alternate version. And then he said, uh, I'm not sure where this will surface. I, f- I feel pretty certain the electric version will make the record, but. So they just kind of had the song written and recorded and done. And then they were like, well, let's do an acoustic version. And they like rent. They didn't even have acoustic guitars, so they had to rent some. And the acoustic ones would end up on the album. So I'm not a huge fan of the, of, uh, the song, but seeing it live on the on DVDs, on the concert DVD, live, I, if I picture myself in the audience hearing it, them sing it, like I think it would just be amazing. Yeah. But I'm still not a huge, huge fan. Oh, so I have a clip of... Uh, this is the original version that's... A, that's uh, I think it's the album version, which is acoustic. Yeah. And halfway through this, I fade it into the electric version. Yeah. And I think the electric version is way better. Because I like the electric version a lot better. Uh, I the the acoustic is so vocal, and I find what I love about this song is I feel yeah. like it's like a goodbye to the album. It's like a yeah. wind down. Yeah, it is it's a like, wind down. It's know, a wind down it's of the like, concert too. They used to do this yeah. in the encore. The journeyman, like I love yeah. it. I mean, I give it a high mark. I give it a nine out of ten. See, that's, that's like a six and a half, uh, seven to me. I, I maybe argue an eight, eight and a half. Yeah, but I mean. I do like it. I like the song. Uh, I love the bookend. And to be honest with you, it's like maybe it's the fact that I've been listening to this album as an album for three weeks, and you know, I you know, I've, I I realize I've listened to the album a lot through my tenure. But um, for me, it's a standout track for me. It's a bookend. So many of the songs fade off, and like Face in the Sand, you know, really measured on you. I liked it. But you know, age innocence and the starts to go down. And journeyman kind of signs off, and such a memorable song, so it stood out for me. You know, I don't know. See, I would give it a nine if it was a Bruce Dickinson solo song. Yeah. As a maiden song, I give it like a six and a half. Fair enough. That's Fair just enough. me. I don't know. I think the electric version is better, but I can on. kind of see where they're. I don't know. They didn't want it to be like a power ballad, so yeah. they kind of had to. Well, you're also ramping down, and it makes sense. But I mean, yeah. like. This is an album we were supposed to pan. I don't think I gave anyone below a seven. Now so it's this album, podcast. so my whole story with this album is when it came out, I listened yeah. to it a lot and kind of, after I kind of knew all the songs, I kind of put it away and forgot about it. And every now and then I pull some songs out of it. Like I used to pull Face, of the Sand, Face in the Sand and some of the other songs and Passchendaele, Monsieur, Rainmaker. Yeah. Those are the songs I listened to and the rest of them kind of fell away. Yeah. To the point where when we kind of got in this album, I couldn't remember like Age of Innocence, how really, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of knew it. Yeah. And when I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I know the song. But like, because I disliked the song Dance of Death so much, yeah. I associated the album with that song. Yeah. And when I think of the album, I think of that song yeah. and I think of I don't like it. So I always rated that in my bottom three. I used to always say like No Prayer, yeah. Virtual Eleven, and this album. But then after listening to it, I'm like, if you took that Dance of song off the album, it'd be or way you, better. It'd be way up there. Or you fixed it. Yeah. You'd hold it like a minute of it. Yeah, I don't, know, if you, I don't know if that's fixable. Yeah. But I, yeah, I know what you're saying. But I mean, you've always said, I've, I've said to you a few times, like this album's crap or the album's crap. Yeah. You've always said, well, there's some good songs on it. Yeah. You've never really panned a whole album. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. For this album... This experiment has proven to me that, you know, anything Maiden 
<laughs> I can love yeah, it. you really like, need to pay attention and really, really like good. get yeah. to know the songs yeah. before you write them off. Yeah. Because I really listen to dance it a lot, saying like, yeah. "Am I missing something?" And I, the more I listened to it, the more I disliked it. And I was like, "No, I was worried about this." So the songs like "New Frontier," which I kind of like, just I was like, "Yeah, they're whatever, they're forgettable." But then I listened to them, and I was like, "I really, really like New Frontier. Like, I, I think it's a, it's a really good song." Yeah, I'm also. But friend. all those ones. Yeah. So the hits on this, which were like, yeah. "Rainmaker." Monsignor, yeah. uh, Passchendaele, and Face in the Sand. To me, Face in the Sand. Yeah. Those are the ones I used to pull out and put into playlists. Yeah. Gates of Tomorrow, New Frontier, good too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But those are the ones I pulled out and put into playlists, and those yeah. are the ones I really knew. And yeah. that's what I thought of when I thought of this album. And I thought the rest of it was crap. That's right. And but then when I go back, I listen. It's like no, the ones that I like. Wildest Dreams isn't crap. No, it's no good more song. lies. Not crap. You know, Gates of Tomorrow, New Frontier, Facing the Sand. And while the streams is like four minutes and it's a amazing yeah. song to lead up to an album. Yeah, they're all really good. What, but who's listening to three minute anything? And like the bad cover art and the yeah. bad title track. Yeah. It's the it's the kind ugly. of turn me and I'm wondering if there's a lot of people that have heard this album that think that yeah. it sucks, but it's the bad cover art and that bad title it's, track. It's, and they turn them off of it. And if they gave it more time, they would it's like the it bad Tinder profile picture, it's the bad shitty bio. Yeah. And you're not getting the date. Like yeah. it's the you, you it's just dressed up wrong. Yeah, that's a takeaway for me. If that, if that, ah, it, it yeah. guts me because I just think if those two things were fixed, yeah. it's like the uh, the most delicious filet mignon ever served in a shitline shoe. Yeah, that's right, in a shitline shoe. <laughs> yeah. Well, the best steak I ever had, Mister, was a shitline shoe. I uh, big man. I stole that from somewhere. Some a shitline I can't remember. shoe. I think that was a David Cross quote. <laughs> David Cross, who's a genius. Um, but you know what? We've 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 knocked out now. Summertime's a classic. Yeah. Although in that era, it's under overlooked. Yeah. Matter, life, and death. Modern miracle in some ways for me, and I love it. Yeah, I love that album too. It's great. This album, not as bad as we thought. Not as bad as we thought. Pretty. You good. know what? If we're gonna if we're gonna if we're gonna take the obscure albums and give them sevens and eights, we might as well go for the big ones. Let's that like yeah. Power Slave. Yeah. Number of the Beast. Let's assume like Power Slave, Peace of Mind, Number of the oh, Beast are going to be like tens. Yeah. But you never know. Seventh Son is probably one of my favorite. And then, of oh, course, Seventh Son, yeah. The book is like, oh, there's so much left to do. Yeah. And we haven't even talked to live albums. We well, got, we got production. We should uh, see if we can get those guys that you're talking to on Reddit to yeah. suggest an album for us to cover next. Yes. We should post and be like, yeah, what album should we do next? Yeah, yeah that's right. But Power Slave would be like, there'd be 100,000 replies. That's the problem. It's fine. Who cares? Yeah, we'll just pick it out. <laughs> you can pick through them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, our one person that listened to us in Germany, yeah. our people from Estonia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're glad you're listening. Yeah. All the people that are out there, we, yeah. we appreciate the the listens. We appreciate yeah. the feedback and uh, get in touch. Talkingmaiden.com at Talkingmaiden on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> Till next time. All right. Till next time. Uh, talkingmaiden.com podcast of the beast <laughs> <laughs>